square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Your host, Steve Fielder, here with you one more time. It's such a privilege for me to be able to visit with you on a weekly basis through this podcast. Normally, uh, we would have a format of maybe a guest that would talk about um, competition hunting, pleasure hunting, training, uh, maybe a famous dog of history or the present. This week, we're going to take a little bit different uh, direction, and I'm titling this podcast, Gone to the Dogs for Survival. I want to bring to the microphone a guest from out in the state of Utah that is going through a particular situation right now that all houndsmen should be aware of. And uh, I want to bring to the mic now Corey Huntsman. Welcome to the podcast, Corey. Thanks, Steve. I sure appreciate you uh, taking a minute today and highlighting what we have going on over in Utah. Well, you know, it's a small world, and with this internet, it's get gets smaller every day. And uh, when someone said there was a legislative battle going on out there, my ears perked up because, you know, I did that type of work. I actually was was paid to do it by the registries that I worked for for many years. But um, having been retired now for for about 12 years, you mean that I'm not still interested in it and I'm, I, that I don't uh, realize the importance uh, of any legislation that's going to impact our ability to free cast our hounds afield. Now, you've got a bill out there in Utah called HB 469. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about that, Corey? You bet. So HB 469 was slipped through on our last hour of the legislative session on an unrelated bill. Um, it was uh, it was one legislator that just slipped it in, and, and his only comment for doing so was our he wanted to clean up some trail camera language, and our lines have been on an increase. So he just wants to get that under control, and and it passed 22 to six with with. Uh, literally no other discussion than that and and these changes will be the most radical management change in the in utah for any animal in the last 56 years and just to the point if you like lions on the landscape or not just just to see that one legislator can make a change like this with absolutely no comment no no biology behind it. You know, our biologists should be making these recommendations that have the data that, that are educated in this or that are on the mountain, not a, not a legislator. And boy, we didn't see it coming. And, and that's, that's, I guess that's a lot. You could blame us for that quite a bit for not being in the legislative circle. You mentioned that that was your um, part of your career and, Boy, we're, we're sure lacking here, and, and that really opened our eyes up to see the importance for us to learn that world. Oh, absolutely. Well, as you mentioned that, it comes it brings to mind we fought a ballot initiative in Michigan. I was there for many years because the United Kennel Club, in which many of these hounds, I know you guys out west probably are not into the uh, registered hounds as much 
as we are back east here, but uh, working with uh, the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation and the Michigan Bear Hunters, as I did for many years on their boards, we faced a, a ballot initiative called Proposition D, which would have stopped our hound hunting and overbait. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just precisely um, what you say. Uh, this, this one was brought to bear by a guy that was from out of state that owned property in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Some bear hunters, uh, their dogs ran a bear across his property. His wife got upset. Uh, they enlisted the Fund for Animals and other uh, anti-hunting organizations to gather the signatures to get this on the ballot. But what we did there was we countered with what we call Proposition G, uh, and that was uh, to take the control of uh, the wildlife out of the hands of the legislature and put it in the hands of the experts. And I think this is just exactly why what's happened to you here in, in Utah is why that we fought so hard to get that proposal through, and we were able to do so uh, by a vote of 60 to 40 percent. So that's that's interesting you say that. I mean, that seems like our obvious next step, and, and every every sportsman, every taxpaying citizen should should be in favor of that. How did you get the legislators to vote the, to take the power away from themselves? Well, actually, it was a ballot initiative, and we oh. put that on the ballot, and the citizens of the, of the state of Michigan made that decision. Uh, so basically, you know, we took it out of the hands uh, by the ballot box, and uh, that is still in effect today. And we also did uh, defeat the proposal uh, that, uh, you know, we uh, that would have stopped our bear hunting with hounds. And I'll just throw this in here as a for what it's worth item for you. And your fight out there is that we were able to convince Michigan's 750,000 deer hunters, perhaps not all of them, but a great many of them, that this was not just a hound hunting issue. This was an issue that would impact hunting of all types because the domino effect. Once they get the foot in the door, they're never satisfied. So this was an animal rights-led thing, and I'm going to stick my neck out here a little bit. Good afternoon. Well, my, uh, I just hit the button on my Apple Watch. If you heard Mickey Mouse on there, <laughs> that's who that was. Welcome to the podcast, Mickey. But anyway, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but uh the whole the whole idea was to convince all the hunters in the state of Michigan that when an anti-hunting bill is on the table it's going to impact you if not right now down the road so but it, was there a strong animal rights influence uh behind uh the uh, the decision for the legislature to to pass this bill was it something from the Western Wildlife Conservancy or something along that no, line? No, so, 
so this is actually we're we're fighting the opposite here. Um, we've you know part of the association's goal is to to build up a, a fund to to fight the antis when they are at our door. But this one is our you know pro pro deer hunting. In fact, the senator that passed this has a deer operation on his cattle ranch. You're getting fifteen thousand dollars a deer, so he has an interest in cougars being dead. So it's not an anti-hunting mm. thing. It's actually hunters pushing this that that are uneducated, that are not looking. Maybe they are, but they're ignoring the science. It's just biasness from their upbringing that you know one lion's too many, and so they want them wiped out. But no, it's it's kind of the opposite fight than what, the, what we'd always thought we'd be fighting. Yeah, well, you're so you're kind of strange bedfellows here, I guess, on this one with some of the organizations that are actually opposing the bill as you are would not normally be your allies in this this kind of fight. No, and that's a that's a tricky field to not try and navigate. I've been called by several of them to partner to go storm the Capitol or you know different things they want to do. And and the first question I ask them. And I've seen them in the wildlife board meetings, and I already know the answer. Like, do you support hunting mountain lions with the aid of hounds? Take this bill off the table. Is that something that your organization supports? And they say, absolutely not. I said, I appreciate you you fighting this and bringing it to light to your members, but we cannot join you in this fight. And because they're not our friends. They are they are essentially want to end hound hunting, like the bill you fought, like the ballot initiative that you fought. Sure. So – we won't partner yeah. with them. I'm, I'm grateful that they are reaching out and, and bringing this to light to their people. Right. But, well, that's a, definitely a slippery slope. And uh, I recall my days after I went to the American Kennel Club and <laughs> to start a new coonhound program there and, and got it off the ground. It was going really well. And a senator out in Pennsylvania introdu- introduced a bill called PAWS. And it was pets and animal welfare, whatever. I don't remember the exact acronym. But it seemed like a good thing because it was designed to regulate the importation of pets from overseas that were many of them had health problems and disease and and they weren't really purebred animals. And also AKC thought it was a good idea to support this thing. Well, right away, the Humane Society of the United States jumped aboard. So now we find, uh, you know, I'm a, a pro houndsman working uh, to build a hounds program, and I'm I'm being linked with the Humane Society of the United States. So it's not a comfortable position to be in, for sure. And I wouldn't no. I wouldn't <laughs> wish that on anybody, <laughs> and and certainly not you guys out there. Well. Um, so this thing, if I understand it right, it's passed the the House and the Senate, and uh, as I, if I've got the ro- a vote right here, the Senate passed it twenty one to six, and the House passed fifty seven to thirteen, uh, and now it's on the governor's desk, uh, and yep, not much correct. time left, right? Uh, we had we've talked to the governor's office several times, not directly to the governor, but to his assistants, and they thought he would get to it sometime this week. But you know, he has until I, I believe the twenty third to either sign or it just goes into effect May third, or or hopefully veto. There's five hundred and sixty seven, so somewhere close to that, 
bills that he has to go through. So, I mean, if you look at last year, there were 700 bills roughly, and I think he vetoed one. So odds aren't for us to get this vetoed. We've had a ton of people calling in, and, and not just town hunters. We've had sportsmen that are concerned with with the process because, if like you said, once those legislators get a little taste of that power where they can just – just a flick of a pen and they can change wildlife laws mm-hmm. to fit their narratives what's to stop them to do deer or elk or whatever yeah. fits their agenda next yeah you know it was pretty famous the quote that was made you know i've got a checkbook and i've got a pen and unfortunately that's the way a lot of things get passed you know in, in this in this world that we live in well what I would suggest that we do is uh, get as much information as we can out over the, uh, the airways. This podcast is being recorded on March 13th. That means uh, that my listeners are not going to hear it until March 20th. And that's only three days, as I understand, until uh, he's due to sign or or just let it float through. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it very well could be over by the time this is aired, but um, I think regardless, there's still an important message and lesson learned from this either way that, you know, for other sportsmen and, and houndsmen organizations, especially especially we're, we're kind of the minority. And, and it just goes to show that you, you have to be more proactive than reactive or you're going to get walked all over and, and you won't be able to protect your sport or your game management if you're not being proactive. And we thought we were in a pretty good place with our division of wildlife or game state game agency and our, our public process goes through a, what we call a wildlife board. And we have a good relationship with them. And we thought we were set up pretty good, but boy, were we naive when it comes to the big boys in, in the legislature and the politics. Mm. Well, you know, as I said, this has been very close to me throughout my working career, but unfortunately the average hounds person, there's Mickey again, the average person out there just wants to spend that that precious uh, leisure time that he has in the woods with his hounds, whether he's a bear hunter, coon hunter, uh, lion hunter, whatever. And But we simply have to stop and say, you know, I have to do my due diligence here. I have to get involved. I have to join a club. I have to be, a, if I'm in Utah, I have to be a member of the Utah Houndsman Association. My dues, my name on the roster carries weight when you go into one of these fights. You know, uh, my good friend Mike Thorman over with the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation, he and I worked on many issues over the years. He said, Steve, it's not so important uh, that uh, you know your legislature le- legislator's name as it is that he knows your name and he knows who you are. Uh, and, you know, maybe you picked up the phone, called and said, hey, you know, I live in 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 uh, within the realm of your consistency uh, continuance. What's the word I want? <laughs> I I am one of your voters. <laughs> Sometimes these seventy six years of life 
play uh, heavily on my <laughs> thought process, <laughs> Corey. But anyway, thank you. But anyway, and I, you know, this is detrimental to to my pursuit of 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 happiness, and I want you to vote against it. And we just simply have to do that, and we have to go. Uh, politely we have to go professionally we have to and that's why it's important to have spokes groups like the utah houndsman association that can put forth you know the the opinion and the desires of the rank and file out there and uh i applaud you for the work that you are doing i i agree with you wholeheartedly that we have to wake up this is a wake-up call for houndsmen, not only in Utah, but all across the, the western states where mountain lions are hunting, hunted. And then it trickles down uh, to bear hunters, to coon hunters, to fox hunters, beaglers, squirrel doggers, whatever game that you desire to hunt with a hound or a dog. Uh, you need to know that if you guys lose this fight, uh, it's going to greatly impact the game animal that you love to pursue. And I'm I'm going to make a, a guess here that most of the houndsmen in Utah love the chase, the pursuit. They take the pictures. If it's an extra nice tom in season, they might harvest that animal. But I, I'm saying, unless you're a whole lot different than most hunters, around the country, you want to preserve the resource. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And I don't think any it matters if you're chasing raccoons, bears, squirrels, or lions. I think that everybody has the same enjoyment out of hounds is, you know, watching your breeding program to come together or seeing that young pup start cold trailing or firing and get it. You know, it's neat, the reward at the end when you see the animal in the tree that you're chasing, I mean, that sure is neat, but, it, but what is 10 times more enjoyable to, I think most hounds might, maybe, maybe you'd agree with this is watching that dog progress and watching that pack of hounds that you put together come as one and, and just start catching and, and figuring things out. Oh, absolutely. So it has nothing to do with the kill. <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. And it's hard for people outside of our realm of, of, sporting dogs to understand that maybe uh and that's why we try to get that message out as much as we can these dogs mean a lot to us many of them are like family members to us we invest all the time we invest uh, veterinary care the very best we can the way we kennel these dogs is for their their uh you know their welfare and all that, and and it's a way of life for us. Uh, we used to say it's really not a sport; it's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. So I yeah, wanted to. Absolutely. I meant to do this right at the first of the podcast, and I got ahead of myself. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Corey. Your background in hunting and uh, and so forth. Uh, I got into hounds about twenty years ago, and. Always chase bear and lions with them. Before that, I had bird dogs my whole life. And but you know, once that hound addiction hits your blood, there's <laughs> everything else kind of fizzles out in your life. Oh, all yeah. other hobbies, and you know, I still deer hunt and, and take my kids 
on big game hunts and but you know, the true passion pounds i i just kind of kept to myself or, or had one or two close buddies that i'd go out with occasionally but other than that just hunt by myself for years and my son kind of he was getting a little older and we were riding our mules one day and with our pack of hounds and just just in a real remote canyon free casting dogs up and down the ravine and and just you know just started thinking you know this is kind of the last wild thing in the west you can do and and i'm there with mm-hmm. my boy on dogs that we bred and trained and, and that's when i realized golly you know i probably ought to give back and try to preserve this sport for him so he'll have this experience to do with his son and that's yeah. kind of what led me to get involved and you know i was kind of starting to get involved anyway but well, that really opened my eyes mm. it's one of the neatest things in my life and if i can keep this do some small parts but just be a spoken wheel to keep this moving i think it's my responsibility to, to do everything i can well, I commend you for that, Corey, and that's absolutely true. And it it falls on each of us to to have that epiphany, if you will, <laughs> that hey, if this is to go forward, it's up to me. You know, in my corner of influence, whatever it may be, maybe with the people I work with, the people I, my family members, my friends, my people I go to church with, whatever. Uh, to portray, you know, the houndsman in the best possible light. And we used to always say on these issues and all, a lot of times you're not going to, well, you're certainly not going to make hunters out of everybody. You're not going to convince everybody to go out and get a pack of hounds and enjoy this, the uh, lifestyles we do. But when these ballot issues or these items like this come up, if we can just create a tolerance at you know within that those people that you know hey these guys are the ones that really care about the resource these guys are the ones that are working so hard to protect it it's not the uh, fundraisers with the pitiful animals that you see on TV because those monies all just go into somebody's coffer to do who know who knows what but the houndsmen are putting their license fees, their Pittman-Robertson funds that on the, the excess excise tax on firearms and, and ammunition and all these things filter back into wildlife management to actually do some good for the animals. And, uh, you know, we, we don't get, our, get the word out on the fact that we're the good guys, you know, uh, they think we're wanton killers, but th- if they would go with us on a hunt, they would see that just the opposite's true, don't you think? I I couldn't agree more. And you know, we had a couple. Well, Ivan Carter came out from South Africa, and and Robbie Kroger from Blood Origins came out and, and just kind of told us how important this is. Yeah, you know, and we knew it, but just it, when people clear across the ocean are are pointing it out to preserve your sport, you need to you don't need to convince houndsmen and, and other deer hunters that you care and, and that your money's going to, to, uh, conservation. You have to get the, the non hunters to, to see that. And uh, I mean, one thing that has came from this, I believe is that those people have seen us push this harder than anyone else that, that, Hey, these guys aren't just killers. They do care about lions. And, and I, I do think this unfortunate event has opened the eyes of a lot of these people, but, but we should be doing this proactively and not reactively and, and trying mm-hmm. to get that message out yeah. beforehand. But, but, you know, social media is 
is so hard because everybody wants to, to you know to show their dogs in a good light but you show a, a lion getting shot out of a tree i mean exactly. that, that looks like a, a can you know yeah. i mean the, the hard part led up to that but it, but that that one video doesn't show that or mm-hmm. or a lion jumping out of a tree and 12 dogs right on its butt chasing it you know that just a horrible look for a non-hunter and, and yeah i don't want to cower down to them but mm-hmm. not, why why would we why would we do that really you know that that is one of the most frustrating things that we've had uh, to contend with since social media became so popular is guys you know the bragging rights they want they think uh, well they're not thinking is the problem they're really just well we treat a line and that was fun and yada yada so i'm going to put it out there for the world to see and like you said all the blood sweat and tears that came up to that point and the fact that you did let the line down and, and, and all, but yeah, without, you know, giving our, um, enemies any more ammunition to use against us, I won't get into details, but we got to use our heads before we post something up on the internet, because it's going to be there forever. And believe me, there's those, there are those that are going to take that and use it and, and, uh, you know, edit it, and all for their benefit and are not going well, to tell the truth. Absolutely. And what we're dealing with on, on this side is something that we never thought we would, but you, you know, even people that are pro killing lions that, that want lions dead are using our videos to say, look, the houndsmen are catching them and letting them go. They're not an effective tool. We need to allow trapping. Mm. There are too many lions. Yeah. Look at the houndsmen social Facebook yeah. polls. They're catching a lion every day and not killing it. And so that's getting used against us too. So I don't know what the answer is. Post a bunch yeah. of boring cold trailing dogs. I mean, cold trailing is interesting <laughs> for me to watch, but not, not the regular non-hounds. Yeah, so, well, I, I mean. I don't know the answer there. Uh, <laughs> we're in a catch-22 on that one for sure. And, you know, damned if we do and damned if we don't. Uh, You know, my friend uh, Brett Vaughn, born 100 years too late, his YouTube videos, you know, I love Brett and I love to watch his videos, but man, that's a lot of trailing. (laughs) That's a (laughs) lot of meticulous work. Yeah. To be honest with you. Say again. I think Brett's videos portray real live lion hunting oh, it's yeah. not the highlights it's the hard work and the grinding and exactly. looking for a track and cold yeah. trailing at tracks you're never going to catch and, mm. and that's that's lion hunting in a nutshell what he pulls yeah absolutely well what do we need to do in the time that's waning here uh i think we'll have a, a few days two or three hopefully if the governor doesn't jump the gun on us uh to get people involved as you said uh what who can we call what are the numbers so that someone listening here uh, and we'll try to get them in to the show notes so that it'll be available online the phone number through the governor's office and you'll most likely get a recording which is okay leave a leave a voicemail if you would um and just oppose house bill 469 and and you know, our concern is the process that the biologists should be making these decisions, not legislators. And that number is 801-538-1000. And I have a link 
but okay, it, give us that too long, as well, Corey. Link. Yeah, okay, well, if you send me a text on that, and I'll get that posted up as well. And Perfect. and and you make an excellent point there, and hopefully you can prevail as we did in Michigan to convince the people. Uh, you know, to call these, uh, these, uh, well, you need the gut at this point, it's already gone through the process. And, and, you know, that that's unfortunate because really, and maybe I was asleep at the wheel, but you tell me this happened pretty quickly, you know, the time for dealing with these sort of things. And this is not a, any kind of a, a criticism of what you guys are doing. But I've often said this, anytime there is a town council meeting, a, a uh, county commission meeting, whatever you call your forms of local government out there across the country, or especially a legislative committee meeting, when something like this rears its head, that's the time. You know, to get on it, as we say in the South, like a chicken on a June bug, you know, and start calling those legislators and all. And, and my, my encouragement to the hunters in Utah is don't let this happen again. You know, be prepared, be ready, uh, work through your Utah Houndsman Association. Corey, I know uh, from talking to you here that, that you realize you know, that that you have to be better prepared. Am I being too hard on you? No, I, I mean, <laughs> this was obvious that we we were caught off guard by this, and, and your advice is very much appreciative, especially with your background in this type of thing. And well, I'm with you, brother. I'm, I'm definitely not, not a critic, that's for sure. But I'm just trying to convince, uh, hopefully, uh, the people that are listening, and I'm I'm told by uh, the the folks at DU Hunting Supply that I have a good audience out that way, and I'm uh, I'm thankful for that. And I know that probably there are some coon hunters out there, but not a lot. But we're all all brothers in the fight, you know. And uh, so, well, is there anything that we haven't covered, Corey, that you think we ought to address here? Right. I think we summed it up pretty good, Chris. Or Steve, I'm sorry. No, that's Chris, fine. A couple of days ago, uh, I think we summed it up pretty good. I, God, I, I really appreciate you bringing this to light, and and I hope that if if nothing else, you know, the other hound associations across the country can can learn from our downfalls on this and be be bit be a bit more proactive and and prepared for this type of legislation attack. Well, absolutely. And to those of you in Utah and across the country that want to be supportive of this, uh, you need to call the office of Utah Governor Spencer Cox. And uh, that number, once again, is 801-538-1000. And tell him that uh, you do not support House Bill 469 and that you do support uh, keeping the regulations and, and uh, the, the, uh, the wildlife decisions in the hands of the experts and not in the legislature. And uh, hopefully I'll get to talk to you again, uh, Corey, and, and you'll have good news for me. 
Oh, I'm hoping it'll take a miracle, but I, I hope that's the case for sure. Well, uh, miracles happen. We didn't think that we could beat a ballot initiative. They told us it was akin to a, electing a governor when we took on this fight in Michigan. And I, and I will say, I'll jump in here just a little bit and say, you know, these things don't happen without support. You need to support your association. You need to, if you have any extra uh, pennies laying around, you need to put them into the organizations that are doing the most good for you. Uh, that ballot initiative in Michigan cost almost $2 million to it defeat. Really but it wow. was interesting, and I've told this story before, and I'll, I'll squeeze it in right here just as encouragement. Uh the organizations like Sportsman Alliance, Sportsman's Alliance uh, wanted to help, but they said, you've got to have some earnest money. You've got to prove that you can raise some funds on your own before we can come in and help you. So there are some guys sitting around a garage up in the UP of Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, and one of them said, you know, really, we got to beat this thing. It's a, it's, it's a bad deal. One of them said, well, I've got five acres of land that I'll donate. And somebody oh, wow. else said, you know, hey, I've got, I will donate one of these prefab cabin packages, okay? Everybody in Michigan that lives below the bridge in the lower part believes in a mystical place called up north. They all flocked to northern Michigan to deer hunt for recreation and all. They simply saw, call it going up north. So he'd say, if we could raffle off a cabin in Michigan's UP, another guy steps forward and says, well, I've got a construction crew, so I'll build this cabin, all right? So they sold chances or, or you know, raffled that cabin for $5 a chance and raise $1.1 million out of that 200. I mean, out of that 2 million. They raised a million point one in $5 raffle tickets. So, you know, (laughs) it is. That's what we said, but we were so thankful for it. So it, it is possible, guys. There's strength in numbers. Uh, you know, it, it can be done, and uh, just get behind these guys out here, this, this Utah Houndsman Association and, and uh, their president, Corey, and uh, Huntsman, and everybody that's that's walking the walk and talking the talk out there to try to keep your hounds in the woods. Corey, I am so thankful for the opportunity to speak to you today. We've been at it about 35 minutes and if you have anything else you'd like to add, we can do that right now. I think I'm good. You know, one thing I, I do need to, for the Utah Houndsman Association members that are listening, uh, they did dig deep in their pockets. We had our banquet on Saturday, and I, if they're mm-hmm. listening, I sure like to thank all the support that we did have when we raised a pile of money and that best year we've ever had. And I do think it's because they're seeing that we are in need to, to fight this and need to raise some funds to do so. And, and I, just want to appreciate we had Idaho Houndsman Association come down. We had Colorado Houndsman Association come down. A bunch of New Mexico Houndsmen came mm-hmm. up. I, uh, well, it was just, just unreal to see the support that we did have. So just 
to anybody listening, thank you that came and supported us for that event. Absolutely, and and I'll echo that for sure. I'd already heard good things about your convention or your banquet or whatever you call it out there. But uh, having worked with those kind of projects before, I know how important they are. So thanks well, to all those. Well, supply came down. I, I yeah. feel horrible if I forgot to mention, man. They drove all the way down. And just You know how they are. I mean, they support every hunting organization, every dog hunting organization in the country, and, and they didn't spare a thing when they came down to help us. So. They're over the top in their support of the houndsmen across the country, that's for sure. That's one of the reasons I'm so proud to be associated with them. And thanks thanks for mentioning that. Shout out to Buddy Woodbury for the job that he does and his whole staff. All right, Corey Huntsman, president of the Utah Houndsman Association. Once again, listeners, that's House Bill 469. Call the governor. Tell him, do not sign this bill. It's not good for cougars. It's not good for the uh, residents of the state of Utah. Corey, thank you. Yep, thank you, Steve. Well, we certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk with Corey Huntsman with the Utah Houndsman, those guys facing this House Bill 469 out there. And if you're listening, as we said in the first segment of the podcast, uh, get in touch with the governor's office, uh, the numbers there, uh, and express your uh, displeasure, displeasure with the bill and urge the governor not to sign that sucker. Uh, because it's not good for cougars, it's not good for houndsmen that like to uh, to run them and tree them and photograph them and whatever. But as I talked to Corey today, uh, immediately a lot of things that we discussed reminded me of my days back in Michigan when I was quite active uh, working on hound-related issues with my buddy up there, Mike Thorman, with the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation. So what I've done is I've uh, managed to get a long-distance call all the way from Florida up there to actually in the upper lower peninsula of Michigan. Is that right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm two spots right now. I'm Lapeer County, which is, I don't know, 40 miles north of Detroit. That's where my farm is. I'm selling it. But I do most, lots of my, most of my running anymore up along the Asabo River, Mayo, that area. Yeah, I had had some good hair running up there one time. Went up and don't even remember who I went with. I didn't have any dogs that had ever been on hair. I did have some beagles at the time. But, uh, Mike, uh, for my listeners that may not, may not have heard the earlier podcast that we have and all, give me a little bit of bio there. What what you do for Michigan Hunting Dog Federation? Some of the some of the uh, hats you wear up that way, and a little bit of background, would you? I will. Well, first, I ought to say I had a really good teacher for all you people. He mentions when he was in Michigan. He and a fellow named Dr. Stinson and Bill Walker, they were awful good coaches to learn how to do this. Uh, I'd have never been able to succeed without them. But that's just a fact. But <laughs> what we do, the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation, we represent all the major dog hunting groups. But we also uh, 
represent the purebred dog people and uh, the beaglers and every we represent about 45 to 50 uh, depending on the month and who's paid their dues uh, dog organizations in Lansing and uh, we think it's important that it just not be a hound group it's all dogs I don't care if you're a poodle or a plot hound makes no difference to us we advocate on your behalf and um, we monitor every single piece of legislation that has anything to do with uh, hunting or trespass or land use. We've gotten quite a bit of that lately. Uh, we just watch out for anything that might affect our sport. Well, Mike, when I was talking to Corey Huntsman, I uh, went back and pulled out an old uh, uh probably cliche <laughs> that I use so many times that anytime there's a town council, uh, county commission meeting, a legislative committee hearing, there's always the opportunity for somebody to present an ordinance or regulation or a bill that could put us out of business. And uh, without watchdog groups like your Michigan Hunting Dog Federation and the other ones that you're associated with, you know, it, uh, it, it can get scary. And when I was talking to Corey, he right up front admitted, and it's no indictment against him and his association, but they were, just weren't ready for this uh, uh, House Bill 469. And, uh you know, he wants to be, and certainly should anything like this come down the down the road in the future. I know that you guys in Michigan are probably as well prepared as any state uh, that I know of because you have some strong uh, organizations there, don't you? Yes, we do. We got to, the the biggest ones are the a UP Bear Houndsman, and then there's the Michigan Bear Hunting Association. And we're pretty big now, but there's we also represent the Michigan State Coon Hunters and the Michigan State Fox Hunters, and uh, we cover the the ground there. And the thing about being ready is uh, that's not I hear that all the time. You know, society's changing so quickly around us that it's very easy to be not ready, and here in Michigan, uh, we're very lucky that we had some people like you and Dr. Stinson and Bill Walker that uh, led the way to being ready. And uh, we've expanded on it, hopefully. Uh, we, Like I say, we watch every bill, every one. There's a bill about to be dropped in Michigan right now that's illegal to sell a dog in the state of Michigan. Oh, really? There's an, another one where... I I beat this next one four or five times. That it's a big long one. Your dog can't be outside if it's below thirty-two or above eighty for more than fifteen minutes. A dog, dog. See, these anti-hunters aren't stupid. But if, if people say, "Well, that's stupid," a dog can't be left alone in a motor vehicle. Now, everybody thinks of that poor little dog, lap dog, being left while somebody's in the mall shopping when it's 90 degrees. We don't want that. Nobody loves dogs any more than we do. Uh, us us hunters that use dogs, they're, they're more than just a dog. They're our friends, our companion. And But what they'll do is they'll get that passed, 
what 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 hunter hasn't left his vehicle and left a dog in there we're not talking inside with the windows rolled up you know in a dog box or a crate in the back of an suv or something grouse hunters everybody does that and the antis know that if they could get that law passed maybe that would make it real difficult to go to a bear tree and leave a couple dogs behind you know they're not stupid yeah be ready well you know that's the thing that i learned over the years or i learned a few things uh and that was, you know, it, it, these bills and, and proposals, whatever you want to call them, there's always a hidden agenda in there. There's always, yeah. you know, you got to peel back the layers of these things. Exactly. And in my work that I did for many years dealing with disputes at clubs and, and competitions and all that kind of stuff, you know, I learned to be very wary <laughs> Uh, of you know, I used to say when guys would come in after a hunt and some guy would corner me and he'd say, you know, I, I things didn't happen the way they should have last night on that cast, uh, uh, and and here's why, and yada, 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 yada. And I'd listen to that s- story and I'd say, well, if everything happened exactly the way you say, okay, then I would have acted in this way. I, I think the rules cover it in this way. But there's always more than one side to the story, and I haven't talked to the other members of that cast. So I'm not going to, you know, render yeah. any kind of decision at this point. Well, when you look at these this legislation, you just can't look at the surface, you know. Uh, like you said so well, you know, nobody wants to suffocate up a pet animal in a shopping center uh, parking lot in July, uh, not at all. But the, by the same token, if I travel to Michigan with my dogs in the dog box and I have to stop and go into um, the restroom or, or to a restaurant to eat and leave my dogs in a insulated dog box where they're protected from the heat and cold, and I know that because those dogs are very special to me, and I'm not going to yeah. put them in danger. But if if we allow these kind of things, and I know this is preaching to the choir, and all, but it's you know good for you to be on top of those kind of things, and that's exactly what we were talking about with Corey about this thing with these lions. Well, I, lots and lots of states aren't organized, and and I I I don't belittle them for it because things are changing so fast in our society that they may never felt the need to be organized, and and they get caught a little bit. And uh, well, it, I want, you got to applaud them for catching up. Well, I was I was just going to say that, Mike. Uh, Corey did tell me they just recently had their annual convention. They had a great turnout. I think they had like four hundred for their banquet. They had uh, the the fundraising went very well, and they're you know they're getting their act together out there in a big way. And, that, that's important. I yeah. want to interrupt you. That fundraising is important because I don't care what state you're in. It's a pay to play game. Oh yes, absolutely. You know, you you have to help your friends in in the legislature. You just have to. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of guys will say, well, I don't like to get into politics, all right? <laughs> well, you guess- must not like to run a dog, because <laughs> in this day and age, you better be in the politics. Uh, absolutely, as evidenced by the fact that no public hearings were held on this bill out in Utah. None. Really? There was no public input in this whatsoever. It was just tagged into onto another bill. Senate passed it 21 to 6. House passed it 57 to 13 and sent it to the governor to sign. No input from any kind of, uh, as we say, experts that, you know, we were so successful there in Michigan with Prop G uh, at the same time we were defeating Proposition D, which would have taken away our hunting with hounds and and bait hunting. And at the same time that was happening, and you can remember, Dr. Stinson got us a room over at the university and we talked. There was an organization here in the state that uh, wanted to make it, if your dog trespassed, you trespassed. Oh, yeah. You remember that? (laughs) Yes. And it wasn't nonsense. I mean, it was $1,200 fine. Mm -hmm. You drove a truck there. They took your truck and everything. And yeah, yeah, we had to beat that simultaneously while we were doing Prop G. Yeah. Well, you know, if we can walk down memory lane just for a minute, you know, back when I first started, (laughs) when I first started out, you know, uh, there had been the fight to ban uh, tracking collars, you know, recovery collars in Michigan. You know, uh, there was uh, the, the issues we combated with snares. We were into that, as you mentioned, the rec, uh, recreational trespass laws. Man, yeah. that was a sticky one because, you know, we could have really basically uh, lost everything on that one. And yep. so, you know, but it's it's interesting, Mike, and I'll confess something here today. Um, everybody knows I'm over the hill. I'm 76 years old, soon be 77 oh this fall. Oh, my God, that means I only got three months to be over the hill? That's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, when I oh talked my. with Corey Huntsman today, and, uh, uh, you know, I begin to get feel that old fire burning a little bit again, <laughs> you know, because really, for those of you out there, that may be listening to us today, and my friends at W Hunting Supply tell me that my audience is growing and it's doing very well, and I'm very thankful to those that that take time to listen each week. But if you're listening to these words and you feel that little bit of fire or that little bit of feeling that uh, there's an injustice being done here against, uh, you know, all things that you hold dear, then get involved by all means. You know, search out. If it's just your local uh, club, uh, hound club or bird dog club or beagle club or or a conservation club where you shoot trap and, and go fishing, whatever it is, get involved and get your name on a roll so that we can count your name when we go to these people and say, look, we've got these numbers of of members and people who are opposed to what you're trying to do to us. You agree? That's right. The Hunting Dog Federation 
we only charge $20 a year for a membership. And we do that for a reason. And that includes your wife too. That way, when I go to Lansing, I can say, oh, we have X amount of members. The, the, the numbers on the member list are more important than the money. We'll have fundraisers, 52 gun raffles. We've got a big banquet coming up. and We have fundraisers. But I think it's important for the, to, to emphasize here, as you get going, you just don't fall off the turnip truck and start affecting legislation. Get yourself involved. Know who your own personal legislator is in your area. No, try to get involved. Go to some. And we have an NRC meeting here. They meet uh, second uh, Tuesday. And that's month. the Natural Resources Commission. Natural Resources right. Committee. Yeah. Get to know those people. Introduce yourself at break time. And I'm so and so. You know, and uh, this I do. If there's anything I can do to help you, and get to know those people, so you have their phone numbers, their private phone numbers, and then. Do the same thing with your own legislator. Stop. Whoever you're in, in here, we have a Senate and a House. and uh, Whoever is your senator and your House rep, get to know them. They, they're not magic people. Just treat them like you would treat a new neighbor moving in. You know, uh, they don't they're not kings and queens. They're just people that happen to have that for a job. And um, yeah, well, you once said. Guy, you once said that it's more important for that representative or senator to know who you are than for you know you to know who they are, correct? Yes. They, yep. I got told that early on. And, and there's another little thing I want to throw in here. I remember my buddy Jim Ballard. He's very important in the Hunting Dog Federation. Past Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we walked into the Capitol building. And we thought we were good. We had our best pair of jeans on and, and, a, and a sweater. And we walked over, and here was this guy named Steve Fielder. Well, of course, we already knew him, but he was looked like he just stepped out of GQ. And and I'm saying this, this, this is not a joke. This is true. He said, boys, look around you here. Every man had a coat and tie. Every woman had a dress. When you go to talk to those people, dress on their level. I'll, I'll tell you why that's important, because a lot of them think we're just goofy, redneck, bloodthirsty morons. But if you come in dressed on their level and use vocabulary on their level, you'll see a monster world of difference. They, they, you want to be on their level. I always say if I was going to go ask a guy to, he was combine and I was going to go ask him if I could hunt pheasants or deer there. I wouldn't wear a coat and tie. I'd have my John Deere and bib overalls on. That's right. That's and, right. But that's a that's an important little thing. You got to make them think that that you are on the ball and you know what you're doing, and and it's just that first impression. And uh, very, very, very important. It uh, was. It was. Yeah. I, I learned that from you. There's no question about it. So anyway, it's important to not. Just wait until you have a problem. Steve says, get to know your county people. We we comp tickets to our banquet to our county commissioner or two, you know, mm-hmm. and um, get to know those and get to know your legislators. They all hold coffee things in their district. You don't have mm-hmm. to go to the Capitol to talk to them. But don't just show up when you got a problem. And that's right. what everybody's learning. When we say go to the 
natural resources meeting or whatever. Go just to be interested, you know. Some it doesn't have to be anything that affects you, and uh, just talk in the hall. And I, I, I'm rattling on, but no, no, it's, it's all meat. That's it, how it's done. It's all meat, uh, Mike. You, and you uh, get it. You want to build a name for yourself. Um, you don't want to ever embellish or lie. If you know it's ten, say it's ten. Don't say it's fifteen, because uh, I got taught that by Doctor Stinson. Because if they catch you exaggerating, then everything you say after that is suspect. Hmm. But once they trust you and you get on the inside, boy, you can. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer or the brightest bulb on the tree. And if I can go over there and work in legislation, I know every one of your listeners can, too. It's just a matter of. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate your humility, but you're very, very good at your job, and it's recognized in the state of Michigan by all those who've seen you work, and uh, Michigan is very, uh, I know this sounds like a mutual admiration society here today, but yeah, I can't so. say enough about the the work that you're doing, and I know our dear departed friend, Dr. Uh, well, Stinson. I just talked, and I want to say something about this. It's not me. It's not me. Uh, I was the football coach. I never scored a touchdown when I was coaching. <laughs> you know, the kids, it's about the team. And as I spoke to yeah. the uh, Michigan Bear Hunters, and, and I said the same thing to the uh, UP Bear Hunters, they have nice banquets. They approach 500 people, and very nice dinners. And, and oh, yeah. uh, they made a lot of money. And I just put my hands up. I said, it's not me doing this. It's you. Right. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have you, the only reason I get stuff done is they know how many people I'm speaking for. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's well, important. And yeah. you got to recognize it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would urge any state, any houndsman out there that's active, you know, this coon hunting game, Mike, has gotten crazy in that uh, there are tremendous prizes being awarded. There is an ad floating in on Facebook right now for a million dollar plus purse at a coon hunt really yes we've coon already seen a hard a, time here in michigan because <laughs> everybody's so deer crazy they won't let coon hunters on their land well it's a universal problem and and that is something that one of the reasons we need to be organized is because finding places to hunt uh to run any type of dog is yeah. is, is getting critical it really is, whether it's in the South and the big paper company leases that used to be so glad to get a houndsman's a few dollars, you know, to help offset the taxes or whatever each yeah. year. And now, you know, they're leasing these to big conglomerates, you know, for deer hunting. And uh, one of the last things that I did when I was in Michigan uh through the PKC organization I was with was go to Illinois, where they, uh, the state of Illinois, the the Department of Wildlife was trying to push deer leasing, uh, you know, urging farmers to lease their land uh, to out of state hunters 
to help offset their their taxes. And of course, you know, deer hunters and dog hunters, uh, for some reason, <laughs> don't you know don't always see things in the same way. Oh so, my! Yeah. Oh yeah. my! And that's saying it very, very mildly. I'm trying to be nice here, Mike. If they did, if they ever knew, I've been to, and I, you've done way more coon hunting than me, but I've had a more dog or two. And I've been to trees where 20 yards away there was bedded deer, and oh, two yeah. dogs standing on the tree. Uh, yeah. they, those deer, I try to talk to these people, these guys, <laughs> those deer are in your woods because they want to be in your woods. Yeah, and they're there. There's coyotes there to chase them. They don't leave your woods, and the dogs aren't chasing them. And they'll run out in the field. They run out of the woods. And we got deer here, Mister. The other day we mm. tried to run here, and we it, the snow was real wet, and there was water in the bottom of the tracks. We ran, you know, we ran a couple of coyotes for a while, but it wasn't like you'd like to see. But there was a forty-acre woods, and we put the dogs in there, cold trailing. A hundred and thirty-two deer come out across the south road. Now, I don't know what went west or east, but that's how many by count. <laughs> that's a lot of deer coming out of four That's a so lot of deer. We got deer here. Yeah. And what they do, I got off on this, but what they do is they'll run out in one of these big fields, and they'll just stand. Then they figure out the dogs aren't after them. They go back in the woods. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, perception, you know, these people have. It's, Boy, we get off track a lot here, don't oh, we? Oh, don't we chase those rabbits, though, you know? We get off on a rabbit path every but, once in a while. But that is one of the largest threats to hunting with a dog. Sure. One of the largest threats to hunting with a dog is permission. I had a guy pull up the other day said, I don't want you boys. I own 3,000 acres here. I don't want you boys shooting any coyotes. I go, mm -hmm. really? I said, I've hunted here 50 years. I never heard nothing like that. He says, I got too many deer and I want the coyotes to eat the deer. And I says, well, my brother and I aren't very fond of shooting coyotes. You can't sell them. They're useless. We can just put different dogs on them and run them. Be very happy. And he said, that's okay. You can run them, but don't you shoot them. But we're <laughs> running into that more and more. Wow. Yeah. It, it's crazy. But we, you know, again, uh, I've always been of the opinion, you know, down through my working career and all, you know, I was told this as a kid carrying groceries out to customers, cars at a at a supermarket. You know, don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'd say, boy, you know, this and that and all. And yeah. But we we want to encourage everybody under the sound of our voices today to get involved. We keep saying it over and over, and we will keep saying it as I, long I as get it's told true. All the time. I'll never give up. They'll never stop me from running my right. dog. Well, when your first fine's $1,200, $1,500, and the second time you lose your license, well, in Maine, has got kind of a rough thing going on this year. Are you aware of what's happened there? Uh, maybe not. Fill me in. Uh, I worked with them for about a year trying to get their laws matched up with what we got. We thought we had it, but at the last second, they kind of got double-crossed. And they come up with, you got to buy a hound license. Coyotes, fox, bobcats, bears. And if your dogs trespass on somebody's lawn, uh, yard, uh, not yard, 
cheese though. Properly. See, I told you I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. If the law, if your dog's trespassing somebody's property, they don't want them. The DNR hunch down gives you a warning. If that dog goes back again, you get a trespass ticket. And if it happens the third time, you lose your hound license for the year. Now, anybody that's ever run hounds, they, whether it's bears or coyotes or fox, they all have places they want to go, you know. Oh, yeah. And down here in southern Michigan where I am, you know, it's all, there's houses everywhere and five-acre people and ten-acre people. And you aren't going to hunt without your dog trespassing. Uh, but here in Michigan, as long as we don't trespass, the dogs can follow the game. And uh, they call that precasting in our dog law. But it, uh, that that scares the hell out of me. Well, yeah, uh, all of these things you are can scary. start a coyote 10 miles away and end up back in oh, that absolutely. Well, we got into that wonderful little ballot uh, issue. <laughs> Back in what was it, ninety seven? I think it was mm-hmm. with Prop D and G because yep. of some bear dogs that ran a bear across the property of Jim Rogers up there at Grand Marais, and and you know his wife, um, you know, didn't like that, and they enlisted the fund for animals and and all, and we got into that whole thing, and two million dollars later, we won that. Uh, that issue, but it was a long, hard fight. Uh, so, you know, all these things. I, I, I smell it coming again here in Michigan. I do really, you really, do. Mm. I really do. And this time it's going to be over 3 million. Uh, mm. I don't know how we're going to raise it, but. Oh, well, I, our job, you know, is to, to keep people aware and to try to persuade the way I see it, or at least my job, your job now is still, and thankfully, uh, you know, you do this, Mike, because I know you don't do this at great uh, personal gain or financial I, gain. I think zero personal gain. <laughs> <laughs> but there is still that love for the sport and that feeling that justice needs to be served on behalf of the houndsman the same as anyone else. Well, well you know, I don't do it. I'm friends with the head of law enforcement. I told him the other day, you know, you can pass any law you want. I'm going to skate through what a few years I got going to the woods. I said, but I got two little grandsons, uh, mm-hmm. first grade and third grade. And by mm-hmm. God, I, I, we, we can only be judged by men, by the difference we make and what we leave behind. And I always, being a teacher and a coach, I tried to make a difference. And when I got done with that, I what else can I do? So I just kind of followed your footsteps here. And, and well, you know, I keep saying that, but it's the truth. I was scared to death the first time I went to a Senate hearing. And Dr. Stins says, okay, Mike, you're talking today. Ah, <laughs> but, 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 and, uh, for those of you, and yeah. you all can't go ahead. You all can't monitor the legislation. You all can't know, what senator said to the DNR chief or we, if you get organized, you get some good people. You can, you can learn that you can have that inside information, but the moral of the story here is join, join organizations, help them fundraise, uh, get organized. 
and get involved. It does not hurt. I, I say this every time I speak before those bear hunting groups. I say, call. If we ask you to call, call. You aren't ever going to talk to the legislature. You're going to talk to some kid in his office. I guess at this age, everybody under 40 is a kid. Yeah, uh, I agree. And they're not going <laughs> to argue with you at all. Just call up and say, I'm, I'm really opposed to right. the House Bill 67 or whatever, you know. And, and I, that I, aide I, is going to be glad to have that information to report back to his boss. They, that hey, They tell I, us if they yeah. get 15 calls on anything, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can put 50 or 100 calls in, and it's painless. Most people are a little, oh, that's a legislator, that's a senator. And I was no different when mm-hmm. we started. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, and, but they're just people like you. You can be buddies with them. If, you know, you can. Yeah. Yeah, thank God some of them aren't like me, or or I'm not <laughs> like them. <laughs> I've met a few doozies. Be over like me. They'd, they'd be so old they wouldn't remember my name because I can't hardly even remember. Oh, tell me about it. Tell me, but you know, Mike, as we talk, you and I both have been. You know, we have joined the fight. Uh, me, you know, not nearly so much anymore, but. Through this uh, microphone, if I can help with these issues, I want to do what I can. But the reason I wanted to bring you on today is to give encouragement to Corey Huntsman and to those people out yeah. in Utah and and the people in Maine and the, anywhere that these, these kinds of threats are coming down that you can – win the battles. Yes, well, you know, win. we don't know who will ultimately win the war, but we do know that we can win battles because we have a track record. We know we, that we know that we know that we beat back Prop D in Michigan. We know that we beat back the the uh, attempt to outlaw recovery collars. You know, we know that we were able to affect the way the recreational trespass laws in Michigan the right were retrieve. written. The right to retrieve. Excellent. So just some of these things. And we're not the only one. We weren't the only ones. There's other no, no. organizations, the Kentucky Houndsmen, I think of, you know, and I think of the Hoosier Tree Dog Alliance. And I think of several organizations that have been very active. Now, the one thing that does kind of bother me, it's become a bit of a trend, and I'm, I'll get in trouble for this, I guess. But it's become kind of a little trend to say, if you've got a product to sell, oh, we've always supported, you know, houndsmen and their right to hunt and all. Well, giving it lip service and really putting wheels on it are two different things. Yeah. And, and I will say for my friend and and the reason that I'm able to do this podcast, uh, Buddy Woodbury out at DU Hunting Supply, uh, out in Washington State, Buddy, you know, contributes back to several hound organizations. I, I was just talking to Buddy. He was at the uh, Michigan Bear Hunter Association convention, and we talked to Buddy. Uh, actually, when people like Buddy, and there's damn few of them, to tell you the truth, that put their money where their mouth is and, and yep. put their own personal money into fights, uh, and he certainly is one of them. We got another guy here in Michigan named Chris Durson. He 
he's owns Rapid River Custom Knives. Yes. A, a big company. There's another man who puts his money where his mouth is. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mike, uh, give me a little bit of uh, the temperature of things up there. You went to UP Bear Houndsman. You went to Michigan Bear Hunters. And you have the Hunting Dog Federation banquet coming up. How, oh, that's how, a wild affair. Yeah. What's the temperature up there with with the Houndsman? What are they thinking? What are, you know? Uh, well, yeah. I, I got to tell you the truth. We're scared. As organized as we are, we're scared. Uh, the Humane Society of the United States has come in, and they brought a gal in that's she's they, she come with a truckload of money, and she's getting an awful lot of politicians, an awful lot, a lot of money to the governor, a lot of money to the attorney general, um, mm. and and <clears throat> we feel like we got a target on our back here. Uh, I, if we get knocked off. Wow, what about them states that aren't organized? You know, yeah, think about it. And so we're we really got our eyes open and our dukes up ready to fight. And uh, but we're nervous. We're watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're got to. Uh, we just. I'll tell you a bad thing that's going on. We're as soon as the election was over, they started with crazy gun laws up here, and uh, mm. we were able. We were able, we're, we're still opposing them, but we were able to get some of the wild things out of them. Like uh, any gun you owned, you had to take into the sheriff's office, get a license for that gun. And nobody else could have that gun in their possession. Could he be home? Mm. All kinds of stuff like that, yeah. you know. But we were able, because we had relationships and made some relationships with uh, some Democratic people, we were able to get that thrown out. Another thing, what we just happened with the DNR, uh, I got a ruling from the DNR. See, here in Michigan, dogs are considered a legal method of take. And it it's it's kind of a, well, we don't want to see that disappear. Who hasn't had a pheasant dog that caught a pheasant or a rabbit dog that hasn't caught a rabbit, you know? And, and that's legal. Well, I asked the question of the DNR. Um, bear season, you know, Michigan, there's always problems. And hunter, we have some really good, well-enforced hunter harassment laws here. And um, we've got some guys that will take your dogs and lock them up or take the collars off, throw them in the river, that kind of stuff. And I asked, can we be protected by the... Uh, on harassment during the dog training season. Dog training season starts here the 8th of July and runs through till a week before the hunting season in September. And they said, let me study that. And they got back with me and they said, yep, because dogs are a legal method of take, whether you're hunting or not, your dogs are legally being trained out there and you would come under the protection of the hunter harassment whether it was hunting mm -hmm. season or not, mm -hmm. that's kind of a big deal. It is that's, a big deal. And for uh, sure. it's just, it's easy to shake somebody's hand, introduce yourself uh, and ask questions. You know, it's not hard boys. It's not hard. And uh, well, I think the point we need to do it. We yeah. need to fight because I, I'm going to be stone honest here. 
I think we'll see the day when we can hunt with hounds. It's just how long can we prolong that day? Exactly. Well, that's something uh, changes in society. England and Scotland. And, and there's over there's there. another thing. You, you asked what's going on. I'll do one more thing. Two things. We have here in Michigan what's called the Bear Forum. It's all the stakeholder groups meets with the DNR. And the DNR puts out stuff, and we all sit in a big room around the tables. And, uh, boy, it's always been very adversarial between bait and hounds and archery and hounds. We finally worked and worked and worked, and uh, we had a great bear forum this year, and uh, we gained some things, uh, several things we wanted, like the size of a cub bear. They finally defined what a cub would be. We've been after that for a long time. Uh, here in Michigan, if there's uh, depredation, let's say you've got a bee uh, hive guy, and and the bee, bears are getting into his bees. Well, if you draw, if you have a tag mm-hmm. for that area, they'll let you go in there way ahead of season. They'll let you go in there end of June and shoot a bear. Well, when we wrote that law, and I worked with a senator that wrote it, it was supposed to be legal to use our dogs. The mm-hmm. theory being, if you go in the cornfield, uh, if you settle on the edge, you're by the beehives and set on his property or something, you might not get the bear. But by golly, if you go in there with any kind of cold trail dogs, you're going to get the offending bear. And they yeah. put that in for us this year. Good. And it was only Good. because we worked with those other groups, befriended the the other type hunters other mm-hmm. than hound hunters. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's good, I thought. Oh, yeah. And uh, which is an important point in what you're talking about. The more, the more outdoors groups you can have on your side, the better off you are. And it's important to reach out to those groups, whether they're pheasant hunters or partridge hunters or bear hunters or whatever they are, and trappers. Absolutely. We went, we butted heads with the trappers over snares here, but that all went away. And now we're working with, we help them and and they help us now. Good, good. That, that's a good point to be made. Don't just keep yourself with dogs, you know. Well, it's an old adage, but strength in numbers certainly applies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really is everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, this bit of, well, who do you represent? Well, there's me and my wife and you and your wife, us four, and no yeah. more. You know, that doesn't work in this game. And, uh Wow. Well, you know, Michael. And one last thing. Yes. That that has become problematic here in Michigan, and I've been working behind the scenes as much as I could. Which the predator hunting contests and the coon mm-hmm. hunting contests mm-hmm. and the pile of dead animals. Mm-hmm. Now we have the head of the Natural Resources Committee in the House and in and in the Senate and. Every animal rights organization is showing these pictures off of a big pile of dead coyotes and killing contests, they're calling them. And I, I want to I wanna make people understand that the votes, we, we aren't fighting the, the Humane Society, animal rights people. No, we're fighting, let's say they're 10%. And let's say hunters are 10%. Actually, we're less than that. But we'll just say for uh, 
purposes here. We're 10% and they're 10%. We're not fighting that. You're not ever going to convince their 10%. You're fighting for that 80% in the middle that live in the city. No, and always. Vote that doesn't know anything. Always. Yep. And, and they don't understand. Uh, I had a gentleman in a, I won't say his name, but he called me up. He said, this big pile of coyotes here, what do they do? Throw them all in the dumpster? How do they kill so many coyotes? And, and Oh, my goodness. I explained to him this. I said, listen, them boys would have killed all them coyotes on that weekend anyway. That's what they do. They aren't just killing coyotes 10 miles around where that club is. It's having it. They're killing coyotes all over the state. The same amount of coyotes would have been killed no matter what. They aren't killing extra. You might notice that all them contests are when the fur is prime. Same way with coons. And, uh, oh, what do they do? Throw them away? I said, no, the big ones will have a fur buyer right there. And a lot of guys take theirs and tan them and sell them as tanned hides or make a coat for their wife or their daughter or whatever. And uh, I said, all that's utilized. And the, the moral of the story is, if there wasn't a pile of 60 coyotes laying there, heaped up, the other side wouldn't have anything to show anybody to fight us with. Right. They, they wouldn't even know. They would mm -hmm. not ever even know. Yeah. And, I was, and uh, you know, I got involved in a little bit of that kind of thing way back when uh, live bear bays were were the thing in in this, especially in certain areas of the country. And I said, guys, we we just simply cannot reduce our sport. We know that bear hunting is a very vigorous sport. It's a it takes place in, in big country. It, it's rough. It requires athletes to, to, to. If you do it like Bill Walker <laughs> he used to always talk about running with the dogs. I bear hunted all my life. I never ran with the dogs. If I'd taken him, play hell running with my dogs. Yeah, I, I took him to. to uh, if I'd have taken Bill, and I loved Bill dearly, if I could have taken him to Southern West Virginia, I'd have broke him of that running with the dogs in not very, not very long time. But anyway, anyway, um, you know, my point, I guess, as being is that we can't reduce the great uh, sport of of using hunting dogs to a thirty second contest that's uh on yeah. display for the entertainment of of uh, a few people because those just as you said you know those people that that want to do us harm are going to do us harm by taking films and and you know editing them to their advantage and using them against us so and that's another sermon for another day about yeah. you know what we post on social Everything media. Everything we do, if I could leave us with the final thing, and I said this speaking in both of those big conventions, everything you do, how you drive, how you greet other people in the woods, how you handle your dogs, we have to, we are by far in the minority. We're not 1% of the whole population of America. And no. we have to have our best foot forward all the time for our image. It didn't used to be that. I, right. I'm, I'm telling you, I was raised some by some rough hombres, you know. And uh, <laughs> it, 
Yeah. They didn't get kicked off from any places and more likely sent yeah. the guy back to his porch. But that has changed. That has all changed. Um, yeah. I don't care where you are in the country. Look out for your image. I wrote an article and just shipped it the other day to American Cooner magazine called, <laughs> how original here, The Lone Ranger. Okay. And I had a lot of fun going back and talking about my experience with that TV show as a kid and all of that stuff and and the, the parallels and all. But, you know, it's we want our dogs now. It's a fashion in coon hunting to have what we call the deep and lonely dog, the dog that's out there by himself a mile away from the other dogs and all. But we can't afford to be lone rangers. You know, we can't hide behind a mask. Uh, we can't pass out silver bullets as we ride off in the sunset. We have to be out front, up front. And as you say, we have to put forward the best front that we can to the general public. And there's another thing I just thought to while you were saying that. This goes to the Lone Rangers. The Hunting Dog Federation doesn't go to Lansing and do anything. They go there in conjunction with all the other major groups. And if somebody else shows up with the bear hunters or the UP bear hounds, one of the fox hunters or Jim Whale with the coon hunters, they all sing the same words to the song. We, we, we talk and we get what we're going to say and how we're going to combat this or promote this. And then we all say the same thing. It's a kiss of death. If I go there and say something and then, Joe Hudson, who never would. This is just a fictitious example. And Joe Hudson come and said a little bit different. That gives a crack for all them legislators to say, well, they don't agree on that, so I don't need to vote on that. Uh, they, they disagree. You, you get all your groups in your state all set down and where you're at and, and present a united front. That is extremely important. And it requires work. Well, it certainly does, Mike. And this is exactly why I wanted you to come on with me today, buddy, to give encouragement. Uh, right now, immediately, it's the houndsman in Utah. It's the houndsman yep. in Maine. It, but you might know, might be it, the houndsman in Michigan. It's it, coming up. It may be. <laughs> Never or, or in Florida or anywhere that we choose to to hunt with dogs. We've got it. I hope, guys, as you listen to this today, you don't feel like, you know, that we've been preaching fire and brimstone down on your head. But yeah. yet we we come in a spirit of, of, of giving, you know, to try to give to you what we've learned that works over the years and to encourage you and wherever you are, whatever well, you, you know, want. Well, you know, Steve, I, and, and I can stick up for the guys a, a lot just the average hunter and stick up for them because once you get organized you hear about a bill that's gonna maybe be dropped a bill they're writing and you go in and sit down with the, the legislators that are sponsoring it and generally generally you can have a change to something you can live with or maybe you can stop it all together and but then you don't go brag about that you don't go telling everybody. So the hunters never realize, oh, I don't know. Uh, I bet you we took action on 20-some pieces of legislation last year. Serious action. And But the general public 
don't hear about it because if a legislator puts something in the basement for you, uh, doesn't give it a committee hearing, you don't yeah. publicize that. Yeah, you don't, but that's a you win don't. for sure. And yeah. a, a point very well taken. Mike, do you believe we've been talking for an hour now? It it seems like when I'm we only get good together, at talking, so that's what I do, Steve. You got to be careful. Well, we're close to an hour. I guess I these old eyes didn't read those little numbers as easily, but close to an hour. And hey, buddy, I do appreciate. Just tell me a little bit about what you're doing up there since you've moved up north. Uh, you getting? Did you have a good time uh, with the hounds this fall and winter? No, no, it was it was really bad winter up there. For, well, I guess I'm goofy, but I never run. I run bears and coyotes with the same hounds. I mm-hmm. never let them run coyotes on bear ground in their whole life. And I never let them run bears if we find a track in their snow, which we do in the spring and fall all the time. And for some reason, they figure that out and I don't really have problems. So mm-hmm. snow was an issue. We didn't have any snow, no snow. Then we got a big old snow, three quarters of the way to your knee, and then it rained on it and crusted it. We're oh, boy. Lots of shreds, you know? Yeah, that's the worst. So we've had a real tough time mm. with, with snow this year. Oh, real tough. I'll be darned. Well, so, I hate to but, tell you, hey, but— Hey, yeah. you go whenever you can go. That's why I moved <laughs> up there. I don't have many years to be in the woods anyway. I'm going to yeah. go wherever I can. Well, that's right. You know, a friend of mine in West Virginia told me one day, he said, Steve, we're standing in the checkout line. And yeah, I've, used, yeah. I've yeah. used that line a lot of times on <laughs> podcasts. But, hey, I'm going to enjoy it as long as I can. It's good to see that you are too. And, and buddy, I'm going to uh, have to bring this one to a close for this session. I think but, you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always, always great to visit with you, Mike. And I hope that my travels will get me back up to Michigan. I love Michigan. I'll tell the world I had a great 22 years that I lived in Michigan, met some of the greatest people I've ever known in my life, and uh, just really, you know, enjoyed the fantastic hunting that's up there. And, but it's not, you know, it it's not uh, secure. Let's say no. You know, it is not we secure. have to we have to guard. Clay Newcomb says guard the gate. And that's yep. what we have to yeah, do Yeah, that's for what sure. Clay says all the time. Yeah. Guard the gate. When I talk to him, we talk about that. Absolutely. Okay, but I just want to reiterate what you said. We are not the know-it-alls. We're no, just no. two guys. You, you, you got me started. And just get started. It's painless. Buddy, I talked to Buddy. And Buddy put on his coat and went to the, uh, in Washington and got some things changed and some things done. It's not hard. It's really not hard. And we're not criticizing people that haven't because I I don't know. I never knew I'd live this long that I would have to be worried about being able to turn a hound loose or a beagle mm. loose or any mm. other dog. Never imagined it in my wildest dreams when I was a kid that anybody would take this, try to take that away from me, you know? No. Yeah. So All I worried hard. about is how can I get out of school so I can go. <laughs> that was the biggest worry, but it's a lot deeper than that now, for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. I hope the people didn't take this as criticism. Oh, absolutely not. I'm sure they didn't. And uh, 
Mike Thorman, what do they call you up there? You've got a big title. What is your title for <laughs> Oh, boy. It's a title way bigger than I am. They call me the legislative director of the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation. All right. And and it was Al Stinson invented that title, so you I didn't see. have to get elected. Well, our uh, dear mentor and and all around most wonderful person I probably ever met, uh, the late Doctor Al Stinson, a, a brilliant uh, man from the state of North Carolina that taught at Cornell and North Carolina State and ultimately Michigan State and uh, his Michigan Association for Purebred Dogs. And he loved, he wasn't a, a They're still hunter. on our board, by the way. Are they really? Yeah. 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 He was absolutely a prince, and yet he was very, very good at what he did. He could walk into places that I couldn't go. Uh, they said, oh, Dr. Stinson, come on in. Well, friends, that's going to end our podcast for today as Mike Thorman and I reminisce about the days that we spent with our mentor, Dr. Al Stinson. And uh, I hope that you've gained something from this podcast today, if nothing more than an awareness that there are threats to our sport out there and that re we really do need to pay attention we need to be aware and we do need to participate through associations like the Michigan Hunting Dog Federation or the Utah Houndsman Association. That's going to wrap it up this week for the Gone to the Dogs podcast. We appreciate you being with us. We hope that you'll visit dusupply.com if you need anything for yourself or your hounds out there in the woods. And until next week, if someone asks you, Where's Steve Fielder? Just tell him he's gone to the dogs. Mm -hmm.